Hello and welcome to The Haunted. I'm Freddie Young and I'm your local TV repairman. And I'm Vanessa Mitchell and I am former owner of the UK's most haunted house, The Cage, and um, single parent and good all round, good egg. Good egg. Yeah, good, good egg. Good egg. I don't know where that saying came from, saying a good egg. Well, listen. What Probably saying from the old days, if you had a bad egg or if you had a good egg. One of those well, old sounds. Um, what is, it? is it bad eggs float or good eggs float? Uh, bad eggs float. Oh, stinky. So you'd have survived the witch trials? Yeah, I don't know, though. <laughs> I'd, have fallen at, I'd have fallen at some type of hurdle. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll start with a short PSA. Yeah. So um, some of you may have noticed that we've not really been around very much. And yeah. it's just uh, uh, apologies to one and all. Um, we'll give you an update on life. So I've adopted a new dog. I'm moving house. I've started a new job well, and I work six days a week. So <laughs> you got that thing. Right. So let's break that down a bit. Our listeners, our regulars only heard you moved house a few months ago, literally. So this isn't we're not going back. He's actually moving house again. I've sold and bought a new one. Oh, I must be mad. And I'm moving just in time for Christmas. Who would do that to themselves? And I've also adopted a new dog just in time for Christmas. Who would do that to themselves? Well, but, you know, I, I, I kind of, when you came in early and said you've got a dog, I'm like, really? Another one. But actually, when I saw the pictures and heard the backstory, I got it. So tell the listeners exactly why you've done this. She's a very poor soul. Um, my Jake was desperate for another dog. So I thought, do you know what? He kept going on. I thought, I'm going to leave it to Binky. To make the decision. Which is the and last adopted dog from Binky was the last rescue. Ago, yeah. Uh, our one and only, our little princess. And so I put Who yes. Who is a, um, a British bulldog. British bulldog. So they know, yeah. Um, and so I wrote yes and no on a piece of paper and I said, let the dog decide. And mm. um, like I said to you, God wasn't on my side that day because <laughs> Binky <laughs> chose yes. Um, so we we saved uh, poor Belle mm. um, or Bella, Jake mm. calls her, because Belle's a bit like, I don't know. A bit like, short. No, but you call, I'd call someone a Belle if they was being a. What Bellend? Yeah, Jebend. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got we've got young Belle now, and she's she's ten months. She's an she's an Irish doodle, so mm. she's an Irish setter. Cross. Very long legs. And um, all I need now is a Scottish dog, and then I've got the Englishman, Irishman, and Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. An Englishman, Irishman, and Scotsman lives in Fred's house, pissing on everything. No, they don't. They're very they're very well behaved. She's very nervous. <clears throat> She she was but in an absolute this, state. Yeah. I tell you, I've never seen a more malnourished dog. Joe, you see them adverts of the dogs like yeah, in on Romania, the RSPCA. yeah, and yeah. things like that. She, that's that's she's like yeah. that. She is skin and bones. And you didn't rescue you rescued her from a house that had like ten other dogs like it that had never been fed, never been cleaned. I mean, it was mm, bad yeah, never situation. been walked. I mean, this. I promise you, when I when she come home, I picked her up. She wrapped her wrapped her little paws around my arm and nestled her head in, 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 in my neck and just cried. cried. And it was very sad. And you know, listen, did I really want to know? But I've got her now, and I love her dearly. So, yeah. um, we're looking after her. I also have a new job, which I have mentioned, but I do work six days a week now, which is tiresome. It's hard because. When you were doing your other job in the school, we knew every week we had time slots. But now, because your shift pattern is crazy. I'm all over the place. It's really hard to, to get together to do it. Um, so so we, we it's, um, I'm not going to say that we're uh, going to be on a weekly basis, but we'll definitely be recording more often. 
um, or we'll try to, or we'll try to get so, like so many recorded in a night. So then we've got a weekly rolling yeah. roster of entertainment for you all. So I do apologise on my behalf. And then obviously Vanessa's had things going on. Vanessa's a very busy lady. Yeah. But season's winding down for you now, yeah, isn't and it? Yeah, and it's so... the same with me. Now my season um, in the sailing club is literally pretty much to an end, apart from the odd event. Now I'm free, really, pretty much till March. Whereas before, when Freddie could do it, I couldn't do it because I was working till one in the morning. But listen, we're, we're, we're trying to work it out, though. It's, it's hard, you know, you've got to understand, we don't get paid for this. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of time and energy. And we do it for love. But sometimes the maths doesn't, doesn't just doesn't, work doesn't out. Doesn't work out. Do it. And uh, we will be honest as well. We've actually have recorded maybe five or six episodes Um but they've not been fit for listeners. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> because, <No. laughs> because again, we we like when we get together. It's this time is also our social time. So this is this my... is Freddie and Nessie's time. Whereas before we started doing this podcast, we'd listen to music, we'd have a dance, we'd get drunk, and we'd talk. And of course, now we can't do that since we've been doing this podcast. Our literal social time is this podcast. Yeah. And sometimes we go a bit... So we still have a drink. So we have a little get-together beforehand, have a couple of drinks, have a catch-up. Yeah, but sometimes we have two hours of a get-together beforehand. If there's been a busy week and lots to say. And then before you know it, and then sometimes we've done one or two episodes and the third one we say we just can't put that out. And quite we often we we'll can't s- do it. The episode we're about to give you this evening, I think we've recorded or attempted to record twice. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it's incoherent, <coughs> I promise you. By by about 10 minutes in, we just look at each other and go, shall we just not do that? <laughs> yeah, shall we just stop <laughs> it? Do you think maybe we should stop? So, um, again, guys, yeah, sorry for rambling on, but that's just a, a little update of where we're at, what we're doing, what's going on. Um, we are recording this the 22nd of November. I hope everyone has their trees up and they're in, feeling festive. Vanessa's got her Christmas... Well, full, I've had mine up for a bloody month. Full dis- no, not a month. You had your <laughs> Halloween decks up I before had, that. Yeah, I've had. Uh, but the pumpkins went, went straight in the bin, and out come the tinsel. Yeah, straight away. So I spin it. My birthday's on the fourth of November, the day after the fourth. Every year, Three. all the well, I say that. I mean, I've got so many; it's kind of a gradual process. So, but within a week. So me, me outside, I'm a winter wonderland theme this year. So it's all white. And it's white. very nicely done. Yeah, I it's tastefully say. done. Because you've got a little bay window that looks out onto the main street. Mm. So it's, uh, when you walk past, you can see it, can't you? Yeah, and, it's, uh, and then all the lights at the top of the house, you know, well, very, on top of the, yeah. Very tasteful, very nicely done. Trees up, everything. And up. I do get compliments from locals about it, which urges me to do a better job. Because when people say, oh, it looks amazing, you just think, oh, yeah. then you get all bit flash. And I think, oh, right, okay, I'm the best. In the... And I am actually the best in the village for my decorations. It has been we'll voted. We'll have you know. Voted, I am the best. Uh, Vanessa is the only person in this competition <laughs> and uh, is the only person that voted. So yeah, yeah, but that is legal. So she is winning. That is legal. You by can actually default. do that legally. Yeah, that's all. You can actually do that legally. I'm not knocking it. You do you, do you girl. You do you. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, yes. the uh, the missing episode that is, we've been... Well, we're just going to try. Let's just try we'll and get We'll just through. try and get through it. I promise you, I've had the research done for this episode since the 3rd of August. Mm. It's the 22nd of November. That's uh, that's the time scale we're working with. <laughs> so bear with. It's been a long time since I've read this as well. So Yeah. You're probably going to get um, the script is, words um, wrong, like you always do, which I love. But It's because I read... I, when I read, it doesn't go in properly. Mm. Anyway, 
Here we go. This week's episode is, and if you haven't guessed by the title, is the Screaming Skull. Ooh. Now, have you heard of the Screaming Skulls? Are you familiar with any myths, legends, stories? Yes, a few. A few. So, I'll give you a very brief overview. A Screaming Skull is a paranormal... Here we See, go. See, it's like I've been. It's like seven minutes in, and you, you can't even get the word. A screaming skull <laughs> is a paranormal object, a human skull which, per legend, speaks, screams, or otherwise haunts its environment after death. Obviously, because it's a skull. <laughs> With, otherwise, it would be a head. <laughs> yeah, a human head. A human head, and if there's a human head in a house, that normally means one They're alive. thing. Murder. <laughs> no, if it's just the head. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> so, the screaming skull stories have been reported throughout Britain for centuries. Legend has it that some old English manors are home to a very peculiar resident, a mischievous spirit locked inside a mysterious skull. Though the stories vary from place to place, it is generally said that when the skull is removed from its home, it begins to scream and causes mischief and misfortune until it is returned. Britain's screaming skull legends are fascinating for both their persistence, they've been passed down orally for generations, and the mystery surrounding their origins. There's been very, very little academic literature uh, regarding the skulls, although many paranormal enthusiasts have noted a link to Celtic mythology. And the kind of link there is, is that the stra it's kind of the strange powers of the human head figure um, the role it plays in um, Celtic mythology. Mm. So the skull legend um, appears throughout England, Ireland, Wales and Scotland. Um, and it's, oh no, actually, I've told a lie. Again, I'm not reading it properly. It, you'd think because it is a Celtic legend that it would appear throughout England, Ireland yeah, and yeah. Wales and Scotland, but it's not. It is strictly um, an English superstition myth legend activity oh so it's so there's there's no specific yeah it's a very british to... a very british phenomena <clears throat> phenomenon so in saying that in your research you haven't found much screaming skulls of other countries in the world then you'll say no it's, 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 it's a very very british thing yeah um not to say that doesn't make it untrue it's just unusual mm. So no one has ever been able to pinpoint the exact origin of these tales and there is no known original story from which the other legends have sprung. Since they're mostly the subject of oral folklore rather than... Oral. His... What did I say? Oral. Oral. I don't know if you could say that either ways, but I would say oral. 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 <laughs> oral. What am I saying? What you... How do you say it? Oral. Oral, oral. Is, is, is vocabulary. Oral. Oral. Oh, no, let's not go there. Right, carry on. <laughs> that was going somewhere. <laughs> By the look on our face, that was going <laughs> Right, okay, carry on. Good job this isn't, um, it's, you know, filmed. Yeah, they just look at uh, us and they go, right, we're not yet thinking. No, carry on. Since they're mostly the subject of oral folklore rather than historical <laughs> record, their roots are nearly <laughs> impossible to trace. So I'm going to start and give you a few stories. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. So in 1791, British historian John Collinson wrote a book 
called History and Antiquities of the County of Somerset. Yeah. And in this book, he wrote that in one parish at Higher Chilton Farm, Collison reported that the residents had been haunted by Theophilus. Theophilus? Theophilus broom. I've had to put it in brackets so I know exactly like... Theophilus. Theophilus. Theophilus broom and who was a local man um, and he was a royalist during the english civil war but he defected to the roundheads in the horror at the hum- inhumane acts that the royalist troops had carried out in the name of the king yeah well in, that was a bad time it was a bad time in particular he despised the royalist habit of severing the heads of victims and spiking them on rails as trophies on well the, the english had done that throughout time and memorial weren't they yeah but it was probably quite a prolific thing yeah we know, did, it, it was a big deal you know it was a big it, it, deal. They, they, they did it a lot uh, made popular obviously by young vlad handsome man yeah uh, so on his deathbed he made a plea to his sister that his head should be separated from his body so that even if his body was exhumed no head could they be could... discovered oh, and be impaled he's... as a trophy oh that's interesting i don't know that bit his plea to his sister was that his skull should never leave the farmhouse yeah. at all so philophilus broom died age 69 which is a ripe old age for then. For those days, in, that was On the old. 16th of August, 1670. Mm. Um, the villagers initially kept his wishes, but when they later attempted to remove his skull from the house, they were met with ear-splitting results. The skull su- supposedly screamed and moaned and piercing the villagers' ears with horrid noises of sad displeasure until they'd move it back into the dead man's farmhouse. Years later, one tenant went as far as trying to have the skull reunited with the body in Broom's grave and even secured permission for this. Um, when they tried to exhume the grave, the sexton's spade broke in half. And um, basically, there was a series of events that made it impossible yeah, to return yeah. Broom's head to, to the earth. And this frightened pe- local people so much at that time that they, 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 thought, they, no. they went, yeah, yeah. just send it back. Yeah, yeah. It ain't worth the drama. Yeah. Um, over the years since that time, several tenants of the farmhouse have attempted to remove the skull only to be pl- played with horrid screaming noises until it was replaced. Replaced, sorry. The haunting is very well documented. Um, a manuscript at the farmhouse was written and this was an account from a number of people who claimed to have been witness to the phenomena. His tomb can be found in St. James's Church nearby, but the skull can only be seen by written appointment. Mm. So if you do want to see it, you can. Yeah. The skull remains in the house. No one dare move it anymore. Um, and that's just that's just one kind of tale of the yeah. screaming skulls. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting though, isn't so it? So it's his request At before his request. death. And, and he, kind of like, in some ways, like a curse. If you remove this skull, I will, yeah. I'll yeah. have a right carry on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I don't, you know. Views, thoughts, listen, opinions. Well, I, I just think if, if, that is, that, if that is your wish before death, and as we know, you know, the dead can come back, and if he was unhappy about that, I, I, don't, I don't see it as out of the way. I don't get the screaming, wailing, everyone's driven mad, but I believe there's something in it. But now, like all um, of these stories, everything's got poetic license. But oh, yeah, of course, because I mean, I this is this is the olden daisy. Yeah. But um, it it raises an interesting question. So a lot of these stories stem from somebody dying and then requesting not to. They they I want to stay in the house. You don't yeah. move me from the house. Yeah. So, and a lot of these were kind of Tudor time, Edwardian time. So it's a long, you know, it's it, if, it's four <clears throat> four hundred years ago. If the if the soul would stay with the body after death as we know happens a lot, if a soul doesn't go 
um, back to source, God, heaven, whatever you want to call it. And if it stays with the body, which which happens a lot, then there is going to be drama. So, but this is this is this is why it poises an interesting question for me. Mm. So, people often, when they pass, have a dying wish. Yeah, of course. Um, which people will often do their best to to do. I did too. Yeah. Which is great, whilst there's living relatives and stuff. But in 200 years, you know, unless you're kind of the queen or someone famous, you know, it kind of gets lost, doesn't it, over time. And what then you've got no one then to res to kind of look after your your wishes. Do you see what I'm saying? So you're saying all the all the family have died and moved on and, you know, you, you can't. But your wish still remains. Wishes so so yeah, even no, currently yeah. there are people that are sadly passing away and are requesting things, yeah. which, are bit, which is fine and, and they're yeah. getting what they want. But in, say, 100, 200 changes, years time, yeah. we might have a, a new plague of screaming skulls across the mm. UK. Who knows? Mind you, people aren't really, you're not allowed to be buried in your house anymore, really, are you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more on sacred or hallowed ground now. But I think even so, even if the wishes of someone, I want my ashes to be, and then the family overruled it and said, oh, no, we want them somewhere else. Um, I, th I think there's multiple cases of, of hauntings and um, unnatural phenomena where there has been a wish and it hasn't been carried out. Mm -hmm. So the sister argues with the brother, no, I want it back, but the dad wanted these wishes. And unless it's in a will and it's, a, and you know, and it's a verbal wish and things different. There's lots of cases where you hear of upset It's quite around. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I wonder if there are any more, what's the word, kind of up-to-date cases involving the kind of, the wishes of the dead not being carried out and then the, the kind of repercussions from that. To be honest, Freddie, I think if we were to really search it, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot. If there's any listeners at home that maybe you know or it's happened to you, let us know. I'd like to think that everyone that listens to us would carry out a dead person's I mean, but wishes. It's, but... Even simple things. Sometimes um, the bereaved, you know, the ones left, can't bear to put the ashes in the sea or scatter them on the farm or whatever the, the wishes are. And they, they, keep, they keep them in the house. And I think there's lots of cases where, you know, things fly off the shelf, you know, and it never happened until the death. Um... I think there's cases to research it. Definitely. I think it I does don't, happen. I, but I don't think they'd maybe be as high profile. Well, no, because people would quite... have to go to the media and the internet to write this stuff. And so I can imagine that they're quite, they're quite personal And they wouldn't do it. Because if you say, well, my dad really wanted to be put in the bloody sea, but I wanted to keep him my shelf. You know, people, because that is essentially a wrong thing to do, I think, because you're not adhering to their wishes. So then people aren't going to tell their story because really... That, that you know, because yeah. everyone will say, "Well, just do their wishes." Then why why aren't you doing that? You know, so I don't think we hit. You know, like most things, we talk about, we don't hear half what goes on. Oh, not even people ha have not, to I reckon, do interviews or, or go online and say. I reckon stuff. we probably know about naught point oh yeah two percent yes. of yeah. things that happen in this world, and and that's not including people that are too embarrassed or ashamed to say it, or people think I'm crazy. You know, th th there's a lot of reasons people don't put their stories out there. Anyway, swiftly moving on. Hmm. So we move on to perhaps the most famous of the screaming cults, cult, screaming skull cases, and that is Petiscue Manor in Dorset. Right, this is one I've heard about, I think. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it is one of the most famous stories. <clears throat> so the story goes that several centuries ago, an elderly servant at the manor begged the Petiscue's owner, Azariah Pinney, to send his body back to the West Indies after his death. 
So there's very, very, there's, I'll tell you, there's a hell of a lot of stories, but the most popular version of the story is that um, whilst in his master's service, the servant was taken seriously ill with suspected tuberculosis. As he lay dying, the servant swore that he would never rest unless his body was returned to his homeland of Nevis in the um, West Indies. Nevis. Nevis. I've been there. Nevis, yeah. Right, sorry about that. Uh, but when he died, Azariah refused to pay for such an expensive burial and yeah. instead had the body um, put into the grounds of St. Steve, uh, Stephen's Church Cemetery. But sorry to interrupt, but that is a position. So you can say all you want, what you want to happen, but if you don't make pr provisions for that, I mean, Nevis is bloody in the Caribbean. So I can get it why some people think, well, listen, that would cost like a year's wages or something. So it's, it's, it's not possible. Um, so it was built, uh, built, buried at the local cemetery, St. <coughs> Stephen's Church. <laughs> as soon as the body was buried, people began to hear in roars, moans and screams coming from where the body was buried. Other disturbances were reported from the manor house, such as the windows rattling, doors slamming of their own accord. Um, the locals didn't take too kindly to the noisy corpse and they were both terrified and annoyed as their peaceful country village had been completely chaotic. Well, I bet. But I, I don't, I don't, I've got no sympathy for him there. Because if he wanted to go to Nevis, which is off the island of St. Kitts, make provisions for it. Don't expect the, the local people to weigh out and get you there or the, the, the poor relative left behind. You know, make provisions for it ahead of time. Um, so he, he never was returned to the mm. West Indies. However, the family of the manor house uh, dug the skeleton up and brought it back to the manor. And when they did that, all the noise abruptly ceased. Mm. So although it wasn't the West Indies, um, the... He went to a second type of home, I he went, Yeah, and it was, it's, you know, quite luxurious. So it was a, a satisfactory alternative. Yeah, well, kind of um, everything, babe. Over the course of several centuries, all the bones from the skeleton except the servant's skull were lost. To this day, the family keeps the skull in their home for fear of disturbing the ghost. Yeah. But that hasn't stopped many people, many residents of the manor over the years to try and get rid of the skull. Mm. Um, the many that have tried it have only soon to find out that the removal of the skull resulted in screams and strange happenings around the home. Um, and they would not cease until the skull was placed back inside the manor. One instance, the skull was thrown into the depths of a nearby pond by a resident of the manor. He was well, said, "Why would you do that?" Who, well, you know, if you like bought a house and there was a skull on the bookcase, you'd be like, "Oh." Well, from what I know, the last thing I bloody do is chuck it out of the house. I just put it, I put it in a cellar or in the house or the attic, where I could, didn't have to look at it. But saying that, we have the experience of knowledge don't we but there you go anyway carry on um yeah through it in a nearby pond he was said to be so appalled well here you go he was said to be so appalled by the appearance of the skull that he immediately ran outside and threw it in the pond the resident was um troubled by screams and moans all night long and the next day very quickly uh, tried to retrieve the skull and replace <laughs> yeah. it back inside the manor <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. where, where it resides yeah. for a while nice and quiet <laughs> yeah i fucked up here right <laughs> quick get, get, the get, the, get the skull, skull back yeah um it is said uh, on one particular night of the year, a ghostly coach hurtles up the road from Betterscombe Manor to the local churchyard. The locals call this incident the funeral procession of the skull. Oh. A writer by the name of Eric Marple spent the night in the manor with the skull in the 60s and claimed to not have heard any screaming, but was apparently um, plagued by nightmares. And he declined an offer to stay a second night 
and hastily left the manor. Uh, the current owners of Betterscombe's Manor are now never bothered by the skull. They, of course, have never removed it from its home, and it lives in a box in a bureau drawer. Yeah. Very oh. wise move, I think. Yeah. In 1963, the owner of the manor had the skull examined by a pathologist who, the, who determined that the skull did not belong to a man at all, and rather it belonged to a European woman who died three to 4,000 years ago, aged between 23 and 30. Right, so uh, what, what year was this that this fella... In the 60s. Oh, so they, they, knew, they knew a bit in the 60s. Then. Yeah, they're not silly. Mm. Um, the fossilised skull is believed to have been submerged in the well near the manor house at the foot of Pilsden Pen, which is a hill that covers an Iron Age ritual plot. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's, a whole, that's they, another well, can of worms. That's another can of worms. The skull may have come from the hill itself, uh, and the shiny surface of the skull may be the result of its immersion in the well and all the minerals contained therein. Yeah. Um, skulls or severed heads were often used as offerings to water spirits in ancient times, and they were placed in wells and ponds and believed to hold spirits who would protect and guard the homestead as long as they were treated with respect. The sacred heads were feared so much that many would not speak of where the heads lay for fear of bad luck. Stoneheads were, Stoneheads were also used for guardian and good luck purposes and can still be seen around England and the UK to this day. So... Although it might not necessarily, you know, the myth is, you know, the servant man died and he wanted to go to his homeland and whatever, and that result has resulted in the haunting. Mm. But that's not to say that just because it's not the skull of that man doesn't mean it's not the case. Because if this skull is there um, as a guardian of the area, mm. you know, and they, you know, they don't want to be disrespected and moved and, and whatever, it might, I, I, it may I, well still be a case. I think we just know there's energy and the energy that's put out has, has a lot to do with a lot of things. And if there is energy around an object, an object, then <laughs> an object, um, then I think stuff can happen. Absolutely. Like scientifically, that's proof. So, yeah. So, yeah, but I thought it was quite interesting. That yeah. It's, um, but that, that's one of the most um, famous yeah. screaming skulls in the UK. Right, and we move on now to the yeah. screaming skull of Tunstead Farm. Da, 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 da. Uh, Heard of this one? You'd have to tell me the story. Right, listen and I'll let you know. Go. So, uh, in the 19th century... The screaming skull of Tunstead Farm was said to bring good luck and protection to the farm where it was stored. I remember this one. This is a good one. Various owners of the place have attempted to remove the skull, um, kind of like thinking, scoffing at the claims that it was there for protection and good luck. But they would only suffer misfortune and um, activity until they ended up putting it back again. So... In one 19th century travel literature book, mm. the perambulations of Barney the Irishman. What on earth is that word? Prelambulations. Prelambulations. What does it mean? Should I Google it quick? Because I probably did know it when I did the research. Yeah. Prelambulations. I'd like to use that one in general conversation just for the comedy. <laughs> Prelambulations. Prelambulations. Uh, Pre-rambulation is the act of walking around, surveying land or touring. In English law, it's, its historical meaning is to establish the bounds of an area by walking around it. Do you know what we should have done, Freddie? 
our historian. Beating the bounds. She, she, she would have, I bet she wouldn't have known that. I'd have loved to, when we have her on again, our historian, the sergeant, we'll say Prela and test her because although she thinks she's the font of all knowledge historically, I bet she doesn't know that one. Well, listen, in this 19th century book, The Perambulations of Barney <laughs> the Irishman, the character Barney observed the following. There are many strange stories in Tunstead concerning a skull in the possession of Mr. John Bramwell, who holds it in great veneration, declaring that it prevents the house and farm from being robbed and that he would sooner part with the best cow he has than with the skull. Right. Which yeah, says a lot. Yeah, that's oh, a prize hell of cow. A lot. God, Jesus, oh. yeah. Nobody knows where the skull come from, but the most common version of the story specifies its owner as Ned Dickinson, who returned from the Huguenot Wars in France, which is 1562 to 1598, mm. to reclaim his farm, only to find it had been taken over by his murderous cousins who were not keen to give it back. Ooh. The rapscallions. Yeah. I was surprised that rapscallions. Uh, they chopped off Ned's Swines. head. Swines. <laughs> Swines. Uh, they chopped off his head and buried him in the garden, only to find that the severed head back in the house um, one dark night where it insisted on remaining. I don't know how it insisted, but... Mm. Anyway, <laughs> sitting on the farmhouse windowsill, the Tunstead skull, affectionately known as Dicky, mm. uh, mostly looked out over the farmlands, making sure nothing was amiss. That is, da, 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 until the railway company tried to build a new track oh. through part of the Tunstead land. There's your drama. According to locals at the time, each day that the company would start building the track and each night, Dickie would undo their work. Foundations would collapse and workers would get ill. In the end, they abandoned the site and built the track higher up and away from Dickie's land. Oh. That's quite, I like that it's one. It's a nice legend. I mean, it could have been about the soil and the infrastructure or whatever, but it's nice to, to, for the, nice to, to think. think that Dickie... But of course, in those days, it would never have been about anything scientific. It would always been about a myth or a legend or a skull or something, because that's what, the, you know, we, we believed in those days. Correct. So, young Dickie, you can come live at my house if you want. It's interesting. Want... Over the years, I've known quite a few people in St. Osef that has dug their garden up to put a patio or something and found full full skeletons. Well, in there's fact... a really famous one, isn't there? Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about that one. It's like the Mill Street, which everyone can Google, which they thought was Ursula Kemp. Yeah, it's actually a, it's transpired. A, it's a really it wasn't, but one. yeah. There was an up Colchester Road from someone I know. It's the Pink House, isn't it? The... Um, yeah, well, we can't say what house it is, but it's, but um, just in case any weirdo wants to go knocking on the door. Oh, okay. But um, it's well, actually it, it, it's near it's near the pink house, but um, and and they obviously, well, they just they just covered. I didn't say anything, and when my friend spoke to the owners, it was a bit because it was too much drama because the police come and they're going to drive you mad and then they can't do the patio. But two, and like my mum always said to me in our ancient house in um, St. Osef with cellars and we found all sorts of stuff, you know, let sleeping dogs lie. And because although a lot of people don't believe, they're just not going to risk it. And so let them stay there because just if there is, don't believe it, not really sure, but I'm not taking the risk. So just leave them there. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know if I would tell people to follow that advice. If you find a body in your garden, please report it to the police. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, if if you think it's relatively new. I mean, if you're on land hundreds and hundreds of years old, well, saying that, you wouldn't, unless you're a 
what do you call it? Um, pathologist. Pathologist. Then you won't be able to determine the age of bones. But well, listen. Moving swiftly on. Yeah. Move on to the next one. Burton Agnes Hall. Heard of it? No, never. Either have I. Here we go. So Burton Agnes Hall is an impressive Tudor mansion and stately home, which is home to the infamous skull of Anne Griffith. Oh, so we've got a woman's skull. Oh. So during the reign of Elizabeth I, the house was owned by the three daughters of Sir Henry Griffith. Right. His daughters all loved Burton Agnes Hall and devoted themselves to improving the property, none more so than Anne. Mm. However, whilst returning from visiting friends, Anne was brutally attacked by highwaymen and left for dead. Oh. She lingered on for several days in her beloved home, begging her sisters to preserve her head within the house after her death. Really? Should they fail to carry out this task, she swore to return from the grave and make the house uninhabitable. After her death, her sisters felt that they could not go through with such a gruesome task. Yeah, because that is a bit... Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is I, a, yeah, I get that, I get that. Therefore, Anne's body was subsequently placed in the family vault, which I think is absolutely fine. Yeah. I'm not chopping your head off and sticking it in the hallway, Anne. Yeah, but although, <laughs> as we've said a little while ago, that is her wishes, but you... And, and I actually said, well, you can't blame me if something happens, but having this story, then really, you know... Um, shortly after Anne's passing, strange and unexplained things began to occur. <laughs> Loud crashing noises were heard about the place, followed by the slamming of doors. This was later followed by painful groaning sounds echoing about the corridors at night. The sisters um, eventually could not suffer no more and consulted the local vicar, who advised them to keep the promise they had made to their dying sister. Anne's body was taken from the family vault. Her body had remained in perfect condition apart from her head that was missing. And in its place was a hideous grinning skull. So her whole body, like, her body would stay preserved, but the skull would, like, her head had... It's interesting because these women, obviously, this family, obviously, were so appalled by her wish they didn't do it. But it got to such a stage that they had to go to the vicar and say, listen, we need help with this, we need help with this. You know, they went against her wishes and in the end it got so bad. They said, listen, please, you know, let's do this. So they've gone against all their instincts because of the apparent activity in the meantime. So there you would say as a human being, there's something in that. Because they were adamant in their position. They were confident that they and, could not you know, suffer separating and, it. You know, even with all of the poetic so, license yeah, that is so added to the story would, of yeah. there still is a skull sitting in the house and that they've done this and it yeah. cleaned the body and done whatever, you know. You they don't, don't just change their mind a few months and say, oh, actually, by the way, You don't just chop your sister's head off. Yeah, no. And leave it indoors. Yeah. When they were so against it in the first place, they wanted it to be a proper burial. So I, I was like, there's probably something in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once the skull had been placed within Anne's beloved home, no further disturbances were heard. However, some years later, a mischievous servant girl threw the head onto the back of a passing farm cart. Why would you do that? Oh, it's like a sitcom. Ugh. Anyway, immediately the, the horse stopped dead in its tracks and refused to move. Despite a firm lashing from the farmhand, 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 <laughs> The animal refused to budge. Eventually, the servant girl admitted to what she had done and the skull was once more returned to the house. Mm. At a later date, landowners refused to believe that the tale of Anne's skull 
and um, they buried the, the head in the grounds of the, of the home. However, they later began to incur such bad luck that they had the skull brought back into the house. Only then did things start to improve. See, there's a pattern there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, the skull of Anne Griffiths still exists at Burton Agnes Hall and is built into a great carved screen where it cannot be cannot removed. Cannot be removed. Yeah. I mean, we hear of severe haunting cases that are, are milder than that. So I think for that to reoccur and then to, you know, I think there's something definitely in that story. I think there's something in that. Yeah, listen, they're, they're um, I think they are liable to be exaggerated but i think there oh, are elements i think there are elements of truth i think the, yeah. the issue we stand is is that it's a it's a it's an orally told story from a you know a long time ago the, yeah. the story gets twisted and changed over time however what cannot be argued is the fact that lots of these manor houses have skulls in them that yeah. no one wants to touch or move yeah so you know there, I think that there is an element of, and I think it is attached to the wishes of these people not yeah, wanting so to I, leave. Because, yeah. you know, interestingly, every single story, it's that person not wanting to leave their home, not wanting to leave their land, wanting I mean, to you, stay. There are so many modern cases where um, people are murdered and there is a haunting till the skeleton is found. Yeah, you know, just watch any you know any program. It you know, and and these people do come out and say you watch know until the, the, the oh, oh what a beautiful song. It's one of my favourites. But yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, interesting. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, do, I did do, enjoy it. Yeah. Do you feel educated? Yeah. Um, to a degree. I, I I just think it's. The people's wishes, the energy left behind, or the current energy, if their soul doesn't move on, we know can cause drama and destruction and and hauntings. We know that. We know that. So there's nothing that we can't say, oh, not in Skulls cases. I mean, why not in Skulls cases? If they specifically ask their heads be, and it's, it's, you know, why can't there be a haunting? Why can't there be a curse or, or bad shit happen. It's not a mi- it's it. not a million yeah, miles we, away. We hear is about it? it in loads of other cases. At the end of the day, the skull ain't plastic. It's a human. That's yeah. a human head. That was a living person at one point. We know that souls don't always move on, and if they want to stay with their body until something is done, and if it's not done, listen, we know. But listen, I think trouble. I think you know it's not necessarily that they want something done. It's just that they want to stay. In their happy place. That's yeah. their that's their yeah. home. That's yeah. their palace. That's their whatever. Yeah, that's where they want to be. If it was taken away, they stay until it is put back. Or yeah, no. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting. Enjoyed that. That's the screaming skulls. If you've got any questions, don't send them to me. I'm not very well versed in the screaming. Google skull. it and then just let us know. We can talk <laughs> about it. And then come on the show and we can have your expert opinions. on Your it. expert opinions. Anyway, ciao, farewell. Avida saying goodbye. And we'll speak to you soon. Ciao for now. You're meant to say bye, that's tradition. Oh, sorry. I go ciao for now and you go bye. Oh, right, okay, bye.